Grace to you and peace in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is good to be with you in spirit. As I read through our lectionary passages for today, there was something about this passage that grabbed my heart. And though I realized it right away, I wasn't sure why. Why was this narrative included in the Bible? Why is this minor character included in our story? And how does the inclusion of this minor character make a difference? Let me share a clue that has helped me from author M.L. DeMastro, who wrote All the Women of the Bible. She said that the stories in the Bible attempt to show how this living woman struggled with herself and those around her. The story strives to bring her vision of life and often her relationship with God, positive or negative, into its fullness. The struggles, its pains, illuminations, its joys, or its frustrations. DeMastro said that these are what make the stories worth reading. Our scripture passage this morning comes from Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 to 21, and I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, whom Sarah bore him. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would have ever said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, playing with her son Isaac. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not inherit along with my son Isaac. The matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for it is through Isaac that offspring shall be named for you. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation of him also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she cast the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bowshot. For she said, Do not let me look on the death of a child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, 
What troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. First, the characters. We have Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Hagar, Ishmael, and of course, God. Abraham has two sons. Ishmael, which means God hears, is the son of a slave woman, Hagar, who was born out of Abraham's and Sarah's doubt that God's promise would be fulfilled. The second son, Isaac, is the miracle child, born to them in their old age. The story of God's promise that Sarah would conceive a child in her old age begins in the 18th chapter. She laughed when she heard about the promise, but sure enough, she conceived and bore a son and they named him Isaac, which means laughter. And that's where I wanna pick up in our narrative for today. Isaac is old enough to be weaned, and a party is thrown to celebrate the occasion. It's not exactly a birthday party, it's a weaning party. But there are some complications, and that's where things go downhill. Actually, it's a big mess, and although it's not one of the stories that get a lot of attention, I think it needs to be heard. It's Hagar's story I want to focus on because it's a story of so many oppressed women, men, and children in the world. Hagar's story begins in the 16th chapter of Genesis where Sarah was Sarai and Abraham was Abram. Sarai had proposed the idea to Hagar that Hagar would bore her son because Sarai couldn't conceive, and since Hagar was her slave, then the child would count as Sarai's. This is a very complicated family system, but then again, most families are. Whether or not Hagar wanted to be part of this brilliant plan, she was a slave, and she did what she was told. Hagar got pregnant, and then came some complications, and I'm not talking about complications with the pregnancy. Sarah got jealous, and even though it was her idea, she began to despise Hagar. The Bible says that Sarah mistreated Hagar, so Hagar fled. Hagar had an encounter with the angel of the Lord in the wilderness, who instructed Hagar to go back to Sarah and Abram. And as an aside, Abram became Abraham, and Sarai became Sarah in the 17th chapter but that's another episode or sermon. Now here in the 21st chapter, it seems that time has passed, if you do the math. In the 16th chapter, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. 
And in the 21st chapter, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. So at least 14 years have gone by and then some because baby Isaac grew and was weaned. It was at the weaning party that Sarah blew up. Ishmael and Isaac were playing and Sarah saw them together and Sarah began shouting at her husband, get them out of here, they need to leave. Apparently, Sarah didn't want Ishmael to share in Isaac's inheritance. So Abraham listened to his wife like a good husband and sent Hagar and Ishmael packing with some food and water into the wilderness. Now what actually happened between the two boys is ambiguous and we don't know all the details. But in the 25th chapter, we find that both sons came together to bury their dad. Friends, let's not wait to reconcile with family members until somebody's funeral. It happens more than you might think. Well, in the wilderness, things got worse for Hagar when the water supply ran out. She put her son under a bush to die. She sat nearby because she couldn't stand to watch the boy die, and she began to cry. That's when God showed up. The angel of God said, What's the matter, Hagar? Why are you crying? Don't be afraid. Scripture says that God heard the boy crying and led Hagar to the well to get water. And in verse 20, God was with the boy as he grew up. So in the end, God took care of Hagar and Ishmael. Now, to be clear, this is not a happily ever after story. We just heard a lot of pain, injustice, inequality, worry, anxiety, uncertainty, hunger, and a lot of suffering in this little narrative, which often gets skipped over in lectionary readings. To be honest, I wish I could wrap up the sermon with a bow, tied up in a neat little package. God took care of Hagar and the boy. God was with the boy as he grew up, and they all lived happily ever after. All is well. But all is not well, because Hagar dealt with abuse, inequality, neglect, shunning, and even the terror she faced in the wilderness. And all is not well today, because the reality is there are many haggers in the world who are dealing with injustice, abuse, inequality, neglect, shunning, trauma, terror, homelessness, and in general, those who are set aside. Yes, God was with the boy. Yes, God was with Hagar. And yet, there's a tension here. Friends, who are the women, men, and children in our communities whose voices are not listened to or set aside? How do others respond? How does the community respond? 
What about the church? How do you and I respond? How often are we more concerned about our own welfare than others? In other words, are we like Sarah? Now, Abraham is let off the hook. Why? Because he was just doing what his wife wanted. But let's be real. He just sent Hagar and Ishmael into the wilderness with just enough water and food to keep them from immediate death. They're going to die without food and water eventually. Are we like Abraham? If you really sit with this little narrative, it's complicated. There are complications in the family system. There's the injustice of inequality. And we have to wonder, where was God anyway? When Hagar was sent into the wilderness, we know that God found her. God spoke to her and God made promises to her. When Hagar was dismissed by Abraham and Sarah, when Hagar was left with a child and had no water, God heard the cries of the child and of Hagar. Throughout scripture, we know that God hears the cries of those who are suffering. And even when the Sarahs and Abrahams dismissed the Hagars and Ishmaels, God shows a more gracious response. But I think it's fair to say that we live in the tension where God does see, God does hear, and God does care, and things are not right in the world. In light of our global pandemic and protests over racial inequality across the country, things are not right. We know this is not it. There is not peace. There are systemic injustices all over the globe, even as there were in Hagar's day. Contemporary theologian Cynthia Rigby spoke at a women in ministry conference recently, and she addressed the audience on what we have to offer in a time of division and fear. We, meaning us, the disciples of Jesus Christ. Rigby was a keynote speaker, and as she spoke, she reminded us of something we do on a routine basis. We did it today. We pray it every week. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We pray the Lord's Prayer every week, praying thy kingdom come, because we're not there yet. There is a tension in the world, and we know that God sees and God hears and God cares, but everything is not right in the world. So we pray, Lord, help, help, thy kingdom come. What we're really asking is for wholeness, forgiveness, reconciliation, peace on earth, healing, abundant life for all, food and water for everyone. Rigby reminds us to pray, thy kingdom come like we mean it. Hagar's story sheds light on the truth that there are indeed tragedies in the world then and now. 
and we acknowledge the suffering and pain and uncomfortable truths that people have experienced for centuries. In the end, this story is about Hagar and God and how we understand God in the midst of the mess. How do you, how do I understand God in the midst of the messes in our lives and in the world? I love what Frederick Buechner wrote about the story of Hagar, and I quote, the story of Hagar is the story of the terrible jealousy of Sarah and the singular ineffectuality of Abraham and the way Hagar, who knew how to roll with the punches, managed to survive them both. Above and beyond that, however, it is the story of how in the midst of the whole unseemly affair, the Lord, half tipsy with compassion, went around making marvelous promises and loving everybody and creating great nations like the last of the big time spenders handing out $100 bills, end quote. Friends, God is with God's children, all of them. God cares in the midst of the messes, all of them. And God cares for the haggers of the world. In the third chapter of the first letter of John, we find a great summary of the love of God and how it should affect our lives. Chapter three begins with a wonder that God has lavished his love on us. We are God's children. Friends, this is great news. We are God's children. But then John asks the obvious. If we are God's children, then why don't we act like it? For John, the heart of the gospel really does boil down to Jesus's command. Love one another. Friends, when we find ourselves in the midst of a mess, not if, but when, let us remember the beloved apostle's words. For God is greater than our hearts and God knows everything. For God knows our hearts and God knows everything. Let's pray. Oh Lord our God, we thank you for seeing and hearing and caring in the midst of the messes in the world. God, help us to pray like we mean it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, give us this day our daily bread for all of your precious children. This morning, we thank you for this little narrative of Hagar's story. May our eyes and ears and hearts be opened to those who are set aside. Give us thy grace to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a broken and hurting world. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.